I mean, I would have liked it to have been something else because it was very painful for you. Anyway, we made it. Can you believe this is our anniversary? Yeah, no, I cannot believe that we're one year old. This is insane. I know it's absolutely amazing. And I've actually put more thought into this than I have with like actual anniversaries I celebrate with people on my birthday. Like I've got a bottle of wine over there. Like I've got myself all cozy. I'm treating this like a little date night. It's great. I, on the other hand, have been up since 6am, so this should be interesting. Did you say you've had a lot of coffee pre this episode? Yeah, I'm 90% caffeine at this point. I think I'm actually shaking from all the caffeine. I think that's a good way to prepare yourself to record a podcast. I actually remember on our very, very first attempt at recording, I had three glasses of wine. Actually, I think I had a whole bottle to myself just to like ease the nerves because I was so nervous. And I must say, something that's come from recording these podcast episodes I feel so much more comfortable talking to people in general and talking about sustainability yeah I just I feel way more confident yeah it's been an absolutely fantastic experience and I no longer have to have a bottle of wine for my nerves I might have one just because I want one but not because I'm nervous so we've we've come a long way go go us woo yeah we certainly have and there's a reason that no one's ever hear that episode you could tell that Beth had a bottle of wine and it was our first episode. I still remember Beth and I, I think we got through 40 minutes of recording and then I was just like, Beth, we never even mentioned the name of the podcast. Oh my god, I remember that. <laughs> They're deep, deep in the archives now. And I remember as well, when we started on one of the first episodes, I think it was, we we were talking about cups, our namesake, and that episode took five attempts to do, and we ended up releasing it in season two. It just would not work, and we were losing hope, and then we started another episode, and it just, I remember us messaging each other going, that was fire. We just like bounced off each other so well. That was such a good episode. That cup episode, I hope everyone appreciates, because that took about five attempts. Yeah, who knew milk was going to save us? I know. I loved the milk episode. That was a great first episode to start on. That's actually quite a good question. What what has been your favorite episode to research and do? Of course, the milk one holds a lot of nostalgia because it was the first one we got right. It's one of our worst performing episodes. But I really like Fast Fandom because we get to be nerdy in that episode and we get to talk about anime and comic books and our hatred for Funko Pops. I actually have to agree with you. That was one of my favorite episodes. And obviously I love talking about my hatred of those little plastic Funko Pops that we don't need and we they're not even collectible anymore. But anyway, you can hear my whole rant in the episode. But I love that episode because I haven't really heard anyone in the sustainability community talking about that aspect of sustainability and it's obviously a really big part of me and Marie and how we became friends so that that was a really really good episode I have to agree with you I also really enjoyed that episode and obviously I have to say the one episode that I researched the period episode I was really proud of myself for doing I had to keep going to Marie to like triple quadruple check all my facts because I was so nervous but I I thought it went pretty well so I like we need to give Marie like credit where 
credit's due because the researching side of this is incredibly difficult. So yeah, I don't know how we would have done this without you, Marie. So yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank you. I try. I try. I love researching. I love finding a random topic and just going down the rabbit hole and then seeing like how something connects to something. Going back to the Fast Fandom episode where I learned that the big comic boom that happened where everyone wanted to collect the comic books because everyone thought they were valuable basically bankrupted the comic book industry i found so fascinating how overconsumption broke the comic book industry and as a fact that is still like one of my favorites from the podcast i love that fact as well i learned a lot that episode so i was thinking to kick things off i was going to ask you what your favorite sustainable fail or win was from me from the past few series which is this is a really great test of both our memories because now i've realized the hole i've put myself in but um yeah did did you have a favorite yeah see i'm at an advantage here because i edit these episodes so i listen to these over and over and over again i think my favorite one still has to be you losing your reusable straw i never got that back I'd completely forgotten about that. I was honestly so upset. That was my favorite thing. Yeah, I still think about that and it just makes me laugh. That is kind of the definition of a sustainable fail, really. I'm still gutted about that to this day. Thank you for reminding. My favorite sustainable fail, I'm sorry, I'm going to start with a fail from you. In person is absolutely when we went to Dira and we hiked up that mountain and we bought all them plastic water bottles. And then to your horror, you realized that right in front of us, there was a refill station and also the extortionate amount of money that you spent on all them Cheetos. That is that's a brilliant memory. And also a non-in-person fail is definitely the fact that you your phone battery expanded and looked pregnant and then you dissected it and somehow got it to work again. I don't even think that that's just incredible to me and credit where credit's due. That is an absolute sustainable win. So well done. Yeah, that's still I think one of my greatest achievements in life. I mean, I did end up breaking the screen, but the battery worked fine. I, I felt like very strong, independent woman in that moment. Absolutely. I mean, again, do not try at home, but good for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Two Girls, One Reusable... I love the amount of times you've done that intro and you can't do it the first time. Every single time we try and record. Yeah, I saw this meme on Twitter the other day when it was just like when you record the intro in less than 10 takes. It's been a year and I still can't do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Two Girls, One Reusable Cup, your sustainable support group, where we navigate the sins and wins of living a low-waste lifestyle in your 20s. I'm Marie, and as always, I am joined by the lovely Beth. Happy birthday, everyone. Happy birthday. We have turned one year old today. And to celebrate this momentous achievement, we are doing a Q&A episode where we answer the burning questions sent by you, our lovely listeners. So how do you want to kick this off? I think we could start with a bit of levity and a bit about us. And the question that I liked is... What moment cemented our friendship? Wow. I mean, we should start by saying we've known each other eight years now, nine. It's been a long time. Been a long time, yeah. I just want to say it's safe to say it's a trauma bond because Beth and I were flatmates 
And we certainly had a very interesting time living in that flat. I think you can look back at it now and you're like, these make such good stories. But the time it was just, I think we'd look at each other and go, is this really happening? What, what is this? It, it was one of the best years of my life. Can I just say it was so funny? Oh, it was hilarious. But I think for me, the moment that stands out to me is you having to take me to A&E when I sliced my face open. Have we not told this story before? because I've told so many people this story. We have not. I've told so many people. I mean, I've got the scar. I think you're right, though. This this is definitely the point that cemented our friendship. I mean, I would have liked it to have been something else because it was very painful for you. But yeah, very, very interesting course of events. There is like a long context to this story. Beth and I, we lived in a flat with 10 girls and basically only like three of us cleaned it the entire time we were there our accommodation was not the best when we moved in there was already a mouse living there oh my gosh and goodness knows what else at one point the air was just flies by the way this is not a reflection on me and marie and how clean and tidy we are because we were two of the three that did clean and the fact that no one cleaned resulted in this humongous fly infestation. And to add another layer to this story, we also lived with someone who was, I'm not going to name them by name, but was 31 and had a habit of frying whole chickens in a walk. I can still smell like the greasy chicken every now and again. I can still see the image. I love retelling people about this person because they don't believe me and at the time i didn't believe it either it was really surreal but um, yeah i it was a very strange time so because she cooked a lot of chicken and oil and didn't clean it up there was usually oil everywhere and unfortunately one evening there was oil on the floor which we didn't realize me and marie i think we had just finished some work we were doing it was quite late and we were going out to get food because we were starving by this point and we were like we can't cook in this kitchen we're gonna get sick we cannot like cook we need to leave Oh, absolutely. And, and unfortunately, uh, Marie was the first one to walk out and you ended up slipping on the oil and you caught your chin on the part of the kitchen where the, the wooden floor met the other part of the floor of the living room where it was uneven and you sliced your chin. It was a really deep cut, actually. And obviously, like you banged your head as well. It, it was it was awful. If you guys know, like, have ever been in, like, a halls of residence in the UK, you know that, like, the kitchen is usually made of this blue non-slip material, as I was told repeatedly by the halls people, because they thought I was going to sue them. And then we had, like, a dining room area, and that area was separated by a metal bar that it was situated between an island. That's how you got into the dining area. And I basically slipped fell face first, no bracing, no nothing, onto this metal bar. If I hadn't had fallen onto this bar, I don't think it wouldn't have been that bad. Onto the metal bar, sliced my face open, blood everywhere. Yeah, Beth gets me to my room, looks at my cut and basically goes, 
oh shit this is bad i think the best part was i saw how bad it was and i was like well we've got to go a and e and your first reaction was oh did i not tell you i'm terrified of a and e i hate it and i was like oh great this is gonna be a really long night where we lived there was like a nightly check-in where a security guard would check in every single night to see if we were okay still alive still breathing in this case we were alive but we weren't okay and yeah, Beth had the foresight to call him and ask him, like, because, I mean, we were quite far from the hospital and, like, there was no way I was going to get to A&E with me dripping blood all over the place. So he, like, basically shoved us in his car and drove us to A&E. And I still remember it was a really nice car. And I was just, like, thinking, don't get blood over it. Don't get blood over it. Don't get blood over it. Like, Beth was, like, holding a paper towel to my face as, like, we drove to A&E. And I was just thinking, I I'm bleeding. This guy is so nice. And I'm bleeding all over his car. I hadn't been to that particular A&E where we lived. I don't know why I would have been there, but I'd never been before. And this one in particular was like a maze. I remember walking around all these corridors with you and I had no idea where I was going. This By this time, it was really late because when you'd cook yourself, it was quite late in the evening because we'd done a lot of work. It was not how I imagined I would be spending that evening, but um, it was a good bonding moment did you have to get butterfly stitches i had to get five stitches i had to get five proper stitches i am ironically i know because i am a fashion designer but i am terrified of needles and then the second thing is i have a very high tolerance for anesthesia so basically they had to give me they told me like you have enough inside you to knock out an elephant like how can you still feel this and yeah Getting stitched up was just like the worst thing. Like it certainly solidified the bond, like me crying my eyes out and Beth holding my hand as I'm being like stitched up by this lovely nurse. And yeah, I still got the scar today to remember that time. It was like um, you were going into labor and I was like holding your hand and supporting you. It was a very bizarre evening. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I don't always remember that your parents bought me a little like gift bag of like lush products and stuff to say thank you and it was so sweet and i was like i haven't done anything i literally just like held your hand and yeah i just thought that was really really sweet um but yeah what what a bizarre set of circumstances but yeah it was a it was definitely a bonding moment <laughs> Yeah, bizarre set of circumstances. I think we is the whole summary of our experience in that flat that year. It's like you would think that was the highlight, but yeah, I think it was one of those things where generally I just like would like walk in and look around and go, and the hidden cameras are where? It was very, very strange. I didn't have another year like it. And bear in mind, I did, I think, did four years at university. Well, you did as well. And it didn't get much more strange than that. Unfortunately, on my end, it did. Following year, I had an even worse flatmate, if that was even possible. That It kind of shows that one landed me in the hospital and I still go, no, 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 this person was so much worse. I, I haven't had much luck when it comes to flatmates. But we survived. <laughs> you survived. We survived. 
So the next questions we have are from Chat Tsunami, who has asked, what has been the highlight of the podcast so far? I mean, not to sound too cheesy, but it is definitely doing it with you. Aw, thanks. That is so, so sweet. I, I must say that I completely agree. I, a lot of the feedback and comments we've got on the podcast is our dynamic and how much we bounce off each other. And honestly, th this is what me and Maria like, and this is how we chat to each other. So it's nice that other people kind of feel our energy just from listening to us. But yeah, it's been an absolute delight to do the podcast, Marie. I've learned so much. I've laughed so much. And I think it's really interesting that we are slightly different, but we're also very similar as well. We've had similar experiences. Yeah, it's, it's that you are definitely the highlight of the podcast. Absolutely. And I couldn't have done it without you. Like I said before, Marie does the majority of the research for the episodes and obviously the editing. And it, I've tried doing both them things and it is extremely hard. It's an amazing job to do. Yeah, I think I'm the only person in the podcasting community that loves editing. Everyone else complains about editing and I'm like, I love it. This is great. Yeah, I love editing, like not video, but audio, like audio editing. I can get lost in an edit and then look up and realize, oh, I've been working for four hours and not even notice it. See, I'm the complete opposite. I love editing as well, but it has to be video. Audio bores, it bores me. And that's really funny to say, considering that we do a podcast, which people listen to, but editing audio is definitely not my thing. So I, yeah, hats off to you for doing that. I don't know how, I think you're the only person ever that actually enjoys it. So kudos to you. <laughs> and the other thing I think that was a highlight of the podcast for me was the reaction to releasing the episodes, seeing it go international, seeing people make real duets to our videos and commenting on the issues we were talking about. It was so heartwarming and it was just amazing to see people engage because we honestly do this podcast because we enjoy it. We learn lots from it. We love spending time together. Well, I, I feel like I do. Um, and yeah, we, we didn't expect any sort of reaction. We do this for our own sanity, mainly. So it was lovely seeing people tune in and engage with the topics. I've honestly been absolutely blown away by that. And the fact that, fact that we have created a little community of sustainable minions um, in our little support group. So yeah, thank you everyone who's given feedback and comments and engaged with what we're talking about. It really means a lot and it's why we do what we do. So another question we've got is what words of advice would you give to aspiring podcasters? Which I'm quite honoured to receive because I don't feel like a podcaster yet, even though it's been a year, I don't feel like I've earned that title. So the fact that you think I am a podcaster, I'm very honored by. What advice would you bestow on other podcasters, Marie? I think I need to like quote Shia LaBeouf here and just do it. Going back to that meme. But honestly, I think the best thing you can do is start, but then also in an area that you love doing it with a person that you love doing it. Our podcast is certainly not the most easiest to put on because I have to spend over a week of researching and then there's a over five page script of all the information that I have to memorize. You know, that certainly affects our upload schedule, but it's so worth it in the end. I think 
gonna say we're horny for sustainability but that's not gonna work oh my gosh we're horny for sustainability i want it on a t-shirt i love that so much we love talking about sustainability and as beth pointed out this is basically just the conversations that we have on a daily basis but we just pressed record so i think just like make it easy obviously the harder you make it for yourself the least you want to do something i really relate to what you've said as well because um you've said this to me before about creating content and i always had a blocker i don't know i don't necessarily think it was nerves or being worried about what people would think about the content it was this blocker of starting to do something because i'd want it to be perfect and polished and i think what i've learned from you telling me just to go for it and being inspired by you doing your own content is just being unapologetically you be authentic it doesn't have to be polished because otherwise i was saying this to marie before we're like every other podcast in a podcast studio or if you're creating content that looks like an advert it's it's an advert it's not authentic content anymore and it's just all the more reason to just give it a go it doesn't matter you're creating something and putting it out into the world that is amazing in itself and being proud and brave enough to do that is amazing as well so marie's right honestly just go for it do it because you enjoy it and be yourself me and marie expect nothing from this we just enjoy doing it and we've gained so much from doing it so yeah i think i think that's really good advice marie i'm very wise so so wise and horny for sustainability apparently as well so we've got some more questions from rasheen from root hack podcast thank you so much rasheen rasheen asks what motivated you to start the podcast in your niche and we also had another question saying where did the name come from and how did you come up with the podcast my answer to this is always depression looking at the state of the world and going what i think there's a reason we call this and we really lean upon the whole sustainable support group because this is it's a it, not a therapy but this is how we deal with eco-anxiety we we talk it out and we do the digging and we find the right information and then we share it with everyone so i think it is a way of self-therapizing i don't know it's it's a way of us supporting each other and um, like marie said before this is essentially our conversations we voice note each other but we just so happen to be sitting down and we've pressed record so that was definitely a big motivator i think that's a great answer and then i think where we got the name that's all bad to be honest i was very hesitant at first and then every now and then i get like a compliment on twitter where they're like I just saw your name and burst out laughing. It has led, unfortunately, the unfortunate circumstance of our name has led to my family questioning it and me, that led to a pretty awkward conversation. Thanks for that, Beth. No worries. Usually when I come up with names, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. This was one of the rare occasions where this literally was like word vomit and it came out of my mouth. So... Me and Marie were actually on a video call to each other and I think we were talking about like why is sustainable toothpaste so shit and then I joked and said oh we should do a podcast and we were talking about it and then I literally just burst out with two girls one reusable cup and then you were like oh that's great and I was like I don't know where that came from so it was <laughs> it was meant to be and I likewise I every time I've told someone and I've actually brought this up to people I've worked with or interviews 
and people immediately get it and they laugh and that is so worth it. One of the many problems with the name is trying to get it to rank on Google search is very difficult because we are competing with a lot of other references which I'm not sure whether I will go into if you know you know. That reference aside I think it also really kind of plays into the whole sustainable living being difficult. There's two of us and only one reusable cup. That's really impractical which a lot of sustainability uh, is most of the time so i think it's kind of a double entendre like obviously there's a funny reference in it but i think it actually really plays into what we talk about a lot we need to make fun of sustainable living because it's not perfect and actually it's better to be imperfect than to try and do it perfectly our big motto because yeah it's, it's incredibly difficult and i think if more people can get involved and we can poke fun at it the better so that that is kind of where the name came from and i'm very sorry to burden you with that marie but that is what's going to um make us famous and be part of our biographies so you are welcome shout out to we need roads podcast who asked do we get a second reusable cup on our anniversary that comment just made my day see this is really ironic because I really wanted to get you an anniversary present. I know, super cute. And I really wanted to get you a reusable cup that said, had our podcast name on it. But then I thought, oh my gosh, like Marie spent six months looking like sustainable Kindles. And she usually takes about a year to make a buying purchase. If I buy this for her, will it stress her out, especially if it's a surprise and the fact that I think Marie probably owns hundreds of reusable cups and bottles by now. I don't know if I want to give her that stress for the sake of a podcast cup. We'll see if there's a demand for it. I kind of want one, I'm not going to lie, but also it's stressing me out because I also have hundreds of reusable cups and bottles. I'm just listening to that. I'm just like, you get me. You're like the only person in the world who gets me. It was stressing me out thinking about it because I planned it all in my head. I nearly like went on my computer to design it and then I was like, Marie will hate this. I would appreciate it, but yeah, I'm I'm a difficult person to buy gifts for because I overanalyze and overthink everything and I'm then just gonna go like see something. I'm like, where the fuck is this gonna go now? I get you. <laughs> That's why we're co-hosts. So another question we got was, what do you wish you could have done better when you look back? I'm not sure about this one, Marie. Is there anything that kind of stands out to you? There are definitely some facts I did get wrong at the beginning and or some new research has come to life. Like with that, I always say I like I obviously I'm doing the best with secondary sources that are available to us. Unfortunately, Beth and I cannot do research and also we cannot afford to pay for like proper research papers. I usually just read the summary and then hope that someone else has written a summary about that paper so I can get the gist of it because then like I press download and it's just like pay 10.99 to find out the environmental impacts of compostable cups and I'm like I don't have that money. So so yeah, there I think there there are have been like some facts I've gotten wrong 
And I've definitely improved my researching skills since we started. I've also changed how I research for this podcast. And I think down the line, we'll probably have to do like a corrections episode. But other than that, I think I think we're doing quite well. Not to brag. I wouldn't say what could we have done better because I can't believe no one's said this yet, but it's a journey. And I like how much we have improved. I was saying before that I find like my speech is a lot better and a lot more confident, a lot more considered in life in general. I feel like I've learned more. I feel like I've become a better listener. I feel like I approach kind of climate action and sustainability differently now. So I would, wouldn't would say I could have done it better. I'm glad I've been through that process. And I didn't realise doing a podcast would teach me all them different things, to be honest. But yeah, really, really glad I've done it. All right, th th this is a really good question. And I feel like it comes from like a very serious place and we're not going to give a serious answer. So Rasheen has also asked what mic recording gear do you use? And I love the idea that they think we use gear. Marie, what, what's your setup? So my setup is, I mean, it's very frustrating because I actually put money into my setup and the only thing we actually had a problem with is my setup. So, you know, I did a bunch of research because Beth and I decided to do this podcast in November. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask for a podcasting microphone as a Christmas present. So I did a lot of research. I looked at a bunch of options. I settled for like everyone saying this is the number one podcasting microphone that you should get, the Samsung Q2U. And I've had it less than a year and it broke on me. And not all of it, but what makes this microphone special that it has USB and XLR and the USB has just given up. I've tried multiple cables. I've tried different angles, everything. It just doesn't work. So I had to update to an XLR setup, which I was very fortunate that my brother had a spare soundboard, soundbox, soundboard, I don't even know what it's called, that he lent me. So now I'm using using the Focusrite Scarlett 2i4 soundboard. I have no idea what I'm doing with it, but it seems to be doing the trick. And then another area of difficulty that we had, and the whole reason we were using USB at the first time, is that my laptop has from the very beginning had a problem with its fan, that the fan is constantly on. And even though I'm using a dynamic microphone, it gets picked up by the fan. So you can hear this white noise in the background. We've tried to fix it since but sometimes you might still hear it in the background I, I i'm sorry i cannot do anything about it that started off with recording the podcast on an iphone and then the sound box thingy mabob kind of filtered out that white noise so i'm now back to using the laptop but i think you can sometimes still hear it so that was like my very gorilla style podcasting thing and to top it all off i'm recording this all on garden furniture because I don't own a desk. The amount of things that Marie has gone through to be able to do this podcast is remarkable. You even um, had to use your mum's old iPhone and Marie is very solidly an Android user. You've probably heard from the mobile phone episode we did um, and to be able to record, you had to use your mum's old iPhone, which she sent to you. Marie's had to make a lot of changes to get through this. 
And I just, we need to show a picture of your setup because it's it's really sweet actually with the little garden furniture and everything positioned just so you get the sound and the internet just right. It's remarkable. In contrast, I find it really funny because you, like you said, you've had a lot of problems with your microphone that um, is a professional microphone. And that's why we've had a bit of delay with some of our episodes. In contrast, I've had zero problems with my setup. And my setup is literally my MacBook with my partner's gamer headset that I found in the drawer. And this is, bear in mind, like maybe eight or nine years old. It's a proper old school Call of Duty style (laughs) headset. And it works like a treat. So, (laughs) you know what? Sometimes the budget ways are the best ways. This really plays into the whole thing I was saying about being authentic is it'd obviously be nice if Miriam Marie could be in a studio together more because we could spend time together. But then we'd be like every other podcast. I like that it's very much keep calm and carry on with how we've set it up. Yeah, I'd love to see other people's podcast setups. Please share them with us. If they're as good as ours, I would love, I'd love to know. And to add the cherry on top of this, we record this podcast on Zoom, but because Beth and I are so broke, we cannot afford to pay for Zoom. So we have to stop every 40 minutes and call each other back because Zoom kicks us off. And now today we have just discovered that Zoom has introduced a nine minute cooldown. So now we have to wait an additional nine minutes to record to continue recording and this is one of the main reasons we haven't had guests on because i just cannot have a guest on in this setup and go oh i'm really sorry zoom's about to kick us off we'll call you back in nine minutes i love as well when it cuts off because it always cuts us off when we we're really on to something we're having like a little monologue and we're on a roll and then it cuts off and then nine minutes later we're like i forgot what i was saying it's kind of like um I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but when I went to see Marie in Portugal, we went to go see a film, I think a Marvel film, and it was getting to a really good dark bit. And in Portugal, the films, when it's the intermission, just end. They just cut in the middle of the film. There's no bit where you're like, oh, I can understand it having a break here. It just cuts in the middle of it being really dark. And that's how it feels when we do Zoom. So um, I really applaud you guys asking us for advice on being podcasters, but I'm really sorry that our response is it's very low budget and we're trying our best. <laughs> Luke from the Nerdstalgic Podcast asks, and I really like this question. My question is, if you could, what is the one topic you'd love to cover, but no, if you did, no one would listen, but you'd enjoy covering it anyway. Now, he follows this up by saying, for me, it's all the Scooby-Doo animated movies. And I strongly encouraged him that that is completely false because I love the Scooby-Doo anime movie, animated movies. I think it's something we bonded on. I was going to say I would love to do a podcast episode on the Scooby-Doo animated movies. They hold a special place in both our hearts. Uh, Luke, if you're listening... If you do that episode, we would love to be on the episode. I have a lot of thoughts about the animated movies. Actually, that's a good question. What's your favorite one, Marie? I think mine's uh, Zombie Island or is it Cyberspace? What was the the Cyber, cha- cyber, cyber Chase? Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase. That Cyber Chase is my favorite one. 
this is this is why we're friends because it's the exact same answer for me zombie island because it's iconic but cyber chase for the pure nostalgia a witch's ghost terrified me that which still gives me nightmares oh my gosh when he gets sucked into the book terrifying absolutely terrifying but that is the movie that introduces the hex girls so it's also iconic the hex girls oh that's a brilliant cosplay idea by the way but the the earlier scooby-doo movies were very dark like they still like zombie island was terrifying when they all like turned into zombies sorry spoilers for who hasn't seen them and why haven't you seen them like come on they've been out for years we digress we we would absolutely do an episode on the scooby-doo animated movies they are amazing yeah that's that is a really good question and me and marie can definitely waffle about a lot of different subjects what what would you do an episode on marie if you could not to sound harsh on us, but I feel like that this is our entire podcast. I, well, Beth is more like market orientated than I am, but like, so Beth is always a bit concerned, like, oh, will people listen? But I'm like, I'm interested in it. I want to research this. I'm going to talk about it. Like, because there are a few things like, for example, and that this is no shade on you, Beth. I think it's just the nature of the subject. Period episode is also one of the ones that have hasn't done that well overall. And I think it's because of the subject matter periods make people uncomfortable yeah that makes a lot of sense but i still want to do a follow-up and there are still like a lot of areas for example there is also like a lot of areas such as we we did talk we did talk about this and it is on the list is sustainable sex and sustainable sex toys because i think it is something that we should talk about like it's we're trying to talk about all aspects of life and how it comes into contact with sustainability and it is a a point of life an important part of life i think we should definitely do an episode on it and actually i think this doesn't really answer luke's question because i think people would listen to that absolutely well Given that our the majority of our listeners are currently our family, I think that's when we will lose a lot of our listenerships if we currently do it. I think for me, because I'm really, I love pop culture, I wanted to do episodes where we dissect um, films and TV shows and look at how sustainable they are. And actually cartoons are funny because they always wear the same outfit. So cartoon characters ultimately by nature are very sustainable because they are the outfit rewearers. But yeah, great question, Luke. That's great. While we're on the topic of nerdy nerdiness, like, and we've spoken about how fast fandom favorite episodes to record. What's your favorite anime? Oh, good question. I've got some recent favorites. Spy X Family, which will probably be no surprise to anyone, is absolutely fantastic. I think it's really refreshing to see that kind of anime, essentially, if no one's watched it. Essentially, for people who haven't watched it, it's an anime about a spy who has to create a fake family for the mission he's doing. So he has a fake wife and adopts a child, but he doesn't, re- and they don't know he's a spy, but what he doesn't know is the wife is an assassin and the child can read minds. And that sounds really bizarre, but it works and it's absolutely fantastic. I would definitely recommend it. But I'm I'm very much a Shogo girl at heart. Shogo is very much the romance genre. So I would have to say Fruits Basket. I think it's such a sweet anime about the Zodiac. 
Yeah, but I have many, many more, as Marie will probably tell you. Marie, I think I know the answer to this, but what is your favorite anime? So I'm I'm quite behind on anime just because no money. My ex-family has been on my list forever, and I keep staring at the mangas thinking like, did I read that in Portuguese? So I really want to see that, but I'm quite old school. My all-time, all-time favorite anime is an anime called Nana. That anime is my heart. I cosplay Nana now on multiple occasions. She is one of my all-time favorite characters, and it's it's beautifully animated. I love the animation style to the point that when I was applying to university, I copied it for my fashion illustrations. just love the artwork. I love the story. Slice of Life is my bread and butter. So another one that is kind of up on the same on the same level, but it's slightly Nana is pushed slightly more above just because this one hits a little closer to home, and that is Paradise Kiss. And I think it's actually by the same people, or at least like the same artists, because once again, I love the artist, uh, the art of Paradise Kiss, but and the fact that it's about fashion and creating your degree show, which is only why I I only watch it when I really do need motivation. But also the main character, George, I relate to him so much, especially the ending to his story arc. Both of those are like a little bit depressing with their slice of life. So just to add a bit of fun to it, of course, Oran High School Host Club is like my go to when I need just a laugh. We've told the story on Fast Fandom before, but that is the only noise complaint me and Beth ever got is when we were watching Oran High School Host Club in the kitchen and we were being too loud because it was the beach episode. That episode is just chef's kiss of an episode. I'm a Kyoyo girly as well, so it's just, oh, I love that episode so much. I feel like we need to do a separate podcast. (laughs) Yeah, there aren't that many podcasts about anime out there. Let's go back to sustainability. Which sustainable icons do you look up to? Oh, this is a really good question. So um, I've, I have a few, um, especially on Instagram, that I really look up to. I really like, and my absolute apologies if I'm saying the name wrong, but I love Venetia Lamana. If you don't follow her, she does some amazing content focused a lot on slow fashion. The content she does is really, really funny. Her boyfriend is quite a famous uh, vegan chef. And what she does is she makes, she pretends to bake and like show cooking videos of herself making food and stuff. But she's actually explaining and exploiting how fashion brands are operating. So she's done loads of videos on Sheen and H&M and they're so easy to like digest that they are brilliant i would definitely recommend looking at her stuff i think she makes sustainable fashion really interesting and the issues that surround fashion in general really easy to understand and so i i definitely look up to her in terms of um making the content more fun how about you marie who do you look up to because of course my failed attempts in this area i follow a lot of journalists and there are a lot of journalists out there that i admire like George Morbit is one when every time he writes an article for The Guardian, I am there. Like, I'm just like, what has he to say? Like, and like, I really enjoy following him on Twitter. Dana Thomas is another one of mine. Her book, Fashionopolis, is just the Bible Any when it comes to learning about the plague of fast fashion and how to move out from it. It's the number one that I always recommend. Shout out to Colm O'Regan who wrote a hilarious book called A Hypocrite's Guide to Saving the Planet. 
And I'm really sorry, Beth, but I will have to change my answer from before because I said a highlight of this podcast was doing it with you. But honestly, the highlight of the podcast was when Colm O'Regan tweeted and commented on the post and on the review that I wrote about his book. That just made my day and also just shows like how nice the Irish people are. But I, I genuinely screamed when I saw his comment on, I think, both Instagram and Twitter. He made an effort to retweet us and comment, which I thought was just really sweet. And the book itself is brilliant. To be fair, I thought that was really, really cool that he did that. And I also kind of had a little fangirl moment for you as well. Those are some really, really good answers, actually. And actually, that that, that reminds me of um, an account that actually kind of inspired us to create the podcast because of the dynamic is The Useless Project. The Useless Project hosts a whole load of community events like SWAP, workshops, art evenings, just the friends dynamic and their content really inspired us. So yeah, but it's been lovely not only looking up to these people, but interacting with them in the sustainable community and them engaging with us and what we've done. It's kind of come full circle. It's it's very, very cool. Besame from Ethical Influencers has been like a huge support and just also very lovely to interact with. Aja Barbara is another one who wrote Consumed which is also another fantastic book. And she's really great on Instagram. I'm pretty sure, unfortunately, she's now left Twitter. But she was also really fun to just banter with. Interacting with her and talking with her on Twitter has also been a highlight because I'm just like, oh my God, you are my idol. And you actually saw what I said and given me advice on this topic. And it's just brilliant. These are our celebrities, basically. (laughs) This one's a kind of a heavy question. People who know me probably already know the answer to this. Best and worst thing about the climate movement? I'd say I'd echo what we've kind of just said about there's a really lovely community surrounding sustainability and climate action. But on the flip side, I find that some parts of this community can alienate people. And I think the last thing we want with climate action is to divide people. It's about collective action and we want as many people to be involved and feel like they can be involved as possible because at the end of the day, this is a problem that that faces all of us and we all have a responsibility. And I can find that sometimes people feel like they can't be part of the climate movement or have access to it or feel put off by it. And the media certainly doesn't help with this. So I think the worst, that is one of the worst things about the climate movement is it's its own worst enemy. And I think if you are looking at climate communication, I think you really need to think about what you're saying and doing and think, am I alienating people or does everyone have access to what I'm saying and recommending? I think it's really important to think about being inclusive in this movement. No, I pretty much agree with you. I think one thing I think it's ironic, I've been like actively part of the climate movement for like, I think the past five years now. And what I think is very interesting is that no one can agree. And it's like we're all working towards the same goal, but there's so much discourse among the community of how we should do something or why we should do something that no one or what's more important. And we're just like I've seen people like basically arguing about themselves. And I'm just like, we're all here 
for the same purpose. And we're all here because we want to stop this global catastrophe. So we need to stop arguing am amongst ourselves. There are a few things that I've seen that I personally do not agree with. I've been very clear of how I feel about stunt protesting in the past. But then I do admit that it does have its place. And once again, we are working towards the same goal. This is really weird, but sometimes I do spend sometimes like I always take inspiration from all areas and I sometimes find myself on like parenting advice channels when I'm doom scrolling and one thing that I found really interesting about a content cr creator who says like what happens when you and your husband can't agree on something when it comes to raising children and she said we make peanut butter and jelly. So what basically she says, the way I make peanut butter jelly is different to how my husband makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. However, and it's the same outcome. It's the same result. It's a sandwich. That's how I approach the climate movement. It's It doesn't matter how we get there. We just need to get there. And arguing amongst ourselves is pointless because we are losing focus and we are losing sight. What is important, basically? We just need to make that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. As long as we respect each other, I think that is the most important thing. And that's when things go really haywire, when respect goes completely out the window. There are some people that I, people in the climate movement, I really do not agree with. And there are some people, uh, sometimes a person that I usually agree with says something that I completely don't agree with. But that doesn't mean like, oh, no, now I'm not listening to their opinion ever, ever again. It's more like, OK, I can see where you're coming from. But have you thought of this perspective instead of that perspective? It's, I agree with you, the negative side, but then it does translate to the community element of it. And one thing, and that this was our advice in our eco-anxiety episode, is that when eco-anxiety gets too much, the best thing you can do is join a small little community. Whether it's organizing clothing swaps or doing a beach cleanup. I love a good beach cleanup. And those can be so much fun. Just all of us working together. You're out in the sun. You're getting fresh air and just meeting new people. Those are my takeaways. I think you're right. And it, again, it really echoes what this podcast is about. The climate movement is very serious and rightfully so. But also, I think it needs to be accessible and we all need to feel a part of it. And if that's through making it a bit more fun and to feel more like a community, I think that's what we should be doing i know a lot of people and especially me at the start were put off being in the community and speaking about climate action because i don't know about you but i'm very i was like i'm not a perfect climate activist am i even an activist i'm not vegan i don't do this i'm just trying my best and once you realize that actually if you're trying your best that is the best thing you can do no one is perfect and actually you're more relatable if you're completely honest about that it's the best thing you can do yeah we just need to try our best i am um, i recently completed and i've probably said this for months but i recently completed a course on communicating climate change for effective climate action and something that really hit me in that it looked at the people that are at the brunt of 
the climate impacts now. And one of the things that they were saying was, if you have access to social media, if you have a voice, use it because we can't, we don't have access to that. If you have a platform, use it for climate action because that's the most important thing. And that's why I don't really have any social media. The only social media I have is for sustainability because I'm privileged enough to have the platform and that's what I think I should be using it for. And I'm not the perfect climate wizard, whatever we are, activist. I'm doing my best and I'm using my voice to get to that same goal that Marie said about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I might get go around that in my own way that people might argue is wrong or right, but we're all going for the same goal. So I think it's very important to use your voice. Check your facts, don't spread misinformation, but be unapologetically yourself and go towards that goal. Oh, I really like this question. This question reads, have you got a favorite tip or a favorite sustainable hack? So like a favorite app or trick or sustainable object that you use this is where we go back to like oh sustainability is imperfect thing because like when i like started this i had like my arsenal of like reusable cup and reusable cutlery and reusable napkin that i used to bring everywhere with me and then the world shut down and i never i didn't use those things for two years and they sat in a drawer and even now that i'm back out in the world i'm like do i really do i really need this stuff like why did i buy it so i think i'll jump off on like favorite app my like favorite favorite app sustainable app that I use like almost like on a daily basis for reference is an app called good on you which evaluates how sustainable a brand is and it's just so convenient because it gives you like a five tier rating and you can just look up a brand and then immediately see like if it's good or like the top one is great and then the bottom one is we avoid and then there are four other tiers in between and it just gives you such a quick like frame of reference but not only does it give you like a rating on the brand it then gives you a suggestion of a sustainable brand within that same price point and then you discover small businesses which I think is really cool I think that is a tool that I use nearly every single day it's really reassuring that you have that in the palm of your hand as well because as we've talked about before especially with fashion a lot of misinformation a lot of greenwashing it's nice to have the facts in front of you and you can make an informed decision on loads of different values as well and like marie said it recommends alternatives as well i also really love using good on you because even shopping secondhand fashion is very difficult because yes it's brilliant if it's secondhand but if you kind of want to look more about where the item came from you can look on good on you it's it's really really good i also have a favorite app within fashion i've mentioned it before but it's my favorite swap app at the moment which is nuw and it allows you to swap clothes and i've seen a few clothes swap apps i feel like this one's the most efficient and does it the most smoothly essentially you upload a piece Piece of clothing or accessory like you would with a resale app like Vinted or Depop or eBay. You get a coin for doing that, which you can then spend and take an item off NUW. You literally just pay for the postage and then that item is yours. And I found some absolute gems on there. It's really good if you're looking for something in particular, you can hold on to your coins and then swap when you need. It's a really good solution if you don't want to sell things and you want to make sure clothing's go to a 
good home straight away definitely would recommend it super easy definitely um an absolute favorite and a little sustainable hack which i've mentioned before is if you struggle with re shopping from resale apps like i do especially with trying things on like trousers and getting stuff off there and finding things don't quite fit you my little hack is if there's a brand you quite like go into the shop try it on make a note of the size and the the type and then look on your resale app and see if anyone is selling one second hand and then you've tried it on before you've bought it so i thought we'd end the episode by asking what our favorite takeaway was and i don't mean the takeaways we'd have at uni shout out to yumchi which was absolutely amazing and got me through some very long nights what was your kind of main takeaway from the series what have you learned from this podcast i think our main ta- my main takeaway is that perfection is never necessary and i think we've said this throughout the podcast and throughout this episode itself that celebrate the imperfect which i think is important to always remember we are certainly not perfect we have honestly no idea what we are doing as you guys found out when you asked about our setup this is like everything is held together with just hope and chewing gum and hope is what's keeping the podcast together (laughs) i'm gonna rephrase that post-it notes and hope is what's holding the podcast together many many post-it notes dude my obsession hasn't stopped it is still there that's another takeaway (laughs) that is the main takeaway (laughs) i'm trying to get clean and my post-it note obsession is still there and i'm still thinking about those transparent post-it notes this is what the support group's really here for it's been over a year like i've gotten into bookstagram now and they keep showing up on my bookstagram theme and i'm just like i want those transparent post-it notes and you can get transparent highlight stickers now as well like it's so lucky that i don't own any physical books because i would be spending all my money on that agree that's actually a really good answer annoyingly Um, and that is the basis of the whole podcast is we're not perfect you don't have to be perfect to be part of this movement um it's actually more fun if we all talk about how we're kind of what we're doing within this movement how we're messing up and celebrating when we are doing amazing things it's all about being human at the end of the day and i kind of echo what i said before about being unapologetically yourself because otherwise you would never do anything and i know because i was at that point where i had a massive block and i wasn't going and doing going talking about the things i wanted to talk about i wanted to do this podcast and i wouldn't do it i wanted to do content i wanted to be part of the movement and i wouldn't and when you realize you don't have to be perfect to be part of it and you should be using your voice and your platform we're all going towards the same goal as marie said that's really liberating and you feel so much better once you realize that so yeah my main takeaway from this podcast is we're doing an amazing thing and we want as many people to be involved as possible you don't have to be perfect but you should be part of the journey anyway see i got journey in there are you happy I am very happy. Remember, folks, it's a journey. It's a journey. 
And I think that concludes our Q&A episode very nicely, unless you have anything else to add. I was just going to add thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. Again, I'm really honoured that you have been asking us for advice on podcasts considering um, what we've just revealed to you. But thank you so much for everyone who um, got involved and thank you for everyone who continues to support and engage with us. And we're looking forward to doing more of what we're doing. Yes. Once again, a huge, huge shout out to Chatsunami, Root Hat Podcast, Nerdstalgic Podcast for submitting your questions. You guys are awesome. But I also just want to shout out not just any book club for always bantering with me on Twitter about books and movies. Midlight Crisis, review it yourself. We need roads. Stew the world order. The indie podcast community is the best community. I am sorry, but not sorry for all the red, white, and royal blue spam. As Beth said, I am unapologetically myself. A huge thank you for sticking with us and our sustainable journey for the past year. You can join a sustainable support group via social media. You can find us on Instagram at two girls, one reusable cup, or you can follow our individual socials. You can find me at life on Mars and Beth at sustainable you can also follow us on twitter which has now become the official red white royal blue fan account beth is honestly looking at me like what have you been doing on twitter i have nothing to do with twitter at all they met at a climate conference so it's relevant i am sticking to that excuse people and i guess i just wanted to say happy birthday marie thank you so much for doing this with me i honestly really enjoy it me too seriously i could not do it without you Finally, I've always been very jealous of other podcasts for having a sign-off phrase. And this was recently commented on one of our posts by Not Just Any Book Club or Not Just Any Pod. And I liked it so much that I am stealing it. Live frugally and eco-friendly, y'all. Once again, thank you for listening. Bye! Bye!